Last week I shared how Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, but not before he almost turned down Pope Julius in the process. I talked about how the Sistine Chapel ended up being one of the most recognized and prolific paintings made by human hands in the history of art and the entire world. It was almost history that didn't happen. And the question I posed last week that I want to bleed into this week is why? Why was it that this possible, uh, this amazing opportunity was passed up? Part of it was because it was the idea that he was a sculptor and not a painter by passion and by trade. He was good at painting, but he was not a painter in his own eyes. So his idea was, I don't want to do this. In fact, some would even report back that he said, you know, he would say things like, it was a little bit beneath me. I really don't want to do that. That's not my area of focus. But it was history that almost didn't happen. Four years of painting. That could have turned anyone away, right? Four years of laying on a scaffolding on your back and painting something that was ginormous. But he didn't turn it down. He went move, he moved forward, and it was and is, again, one of the most amazing, prolific paintings ever made by human hands. So before you can realize what you're made for, you have to understand where you were before. Because each of us in this room, there's not a single person in this room that could look at yourself and say, you know what, I was okay before Jesus. If you truly look at how the Bible talks about man, we need Jesus, right? We need hope. We need something bigger and better. And our lives before Jesus were nothing if deadly. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You have to understand the context of your life in order to understand the purpose of it. And so what I wanted to kind of bring to the table is, again, part two of this made for more two-part series. It's almost like a sermon in two parts. I don't really want to consider it a series, but it is a series of thoughts within the idea that you were made for more. Each of us in this room were made for more. You were made to do more, made to be more, made to experience more, made to impact more. But we often don't because we think in our own eyes, that's not my job. I don't do that. Like Michelangelo. And I posed this question last week for those of you that were here last week, you remember. For those of you that were not, I pose it to you for the very first time. Here it is. How many Sistine chapels were not painted in 2018? How many things did not happen because you thought to yourself, I'm not good enough or maybe I'm too good? So whatever that looks like in your life, maybe at some point in 2018, you look back and you go, you know, I might have missed God on this one. How many ever looked back in your life and you said, I probably should have done this instead? Right? You ever been there? I've been there. I had many of those instances in 2018 where I said, you know, I really probably should have done this instead. 
but I did this, and man, that didn't work out like I thought it would. So my, my, my heart burns because this is not just a two-part message made for more. It is our theme for 2019, and I want us to understand that this year, I'm praying. Look at me. I'm praying that you would understand that I'm praying every day that you would be made for more. That your decisions would imply that you were made for more. Everything that you do would show that you were made for more. I'm going to pray that way for you every single day. I'm going to pray that the light of Jesus Christ will be revealed to you. I'm going to pray that the power of God will be displayed in your life. I'm going to pray that you will be seated in heavenly places. What does that mean? I'll get to that in a minute. What does it mean to be seated in heavenly places? What is it? That sounds very, that sounds a little too uber spiritual, Tony. Seated in heavenly realms. Am I going to be like surrounded by cherubim and seraphims and babies with wings? What does that mean? You know, we kind of look at heaven that way and we kind of we take it from... Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit wants to sit right alongside you and guide you and show you and teach you things that I could never teach you, that no leader or life group or Bible study could teach you. He wants to show you things, but in order to do that, you've got to make time in order to be made more like his son. How many of you realize that in Christianity, you don't get time. You have to make time. No one hands you like, here's an extra five hours of the day. I put it in a card for you, like a gift card. How many wish you could, like somebody can hand you a gift card and in it is like five extra hours? I would buy that card, wouldn't I? I would. And some of you would be like, Pastor Tony, show me where I can get one of those. Right? A card that I can redeem and all of a sudden five hours back and I have more time to do something. I have more time because there's not enough hours in a day. We live in a culture that's that way, isn't it? There's not enough hours in a day. So you know what happens? Oftentimes our spirituality and the things that we deem uh, that are spiritual take a back seat and we never achieve the opportunity of being made for more. We put God in the back seat. We don't want to say we put God in the back seat. We just don't pray as much. We don't want to say we put God in the back seat. We want to say, I didn't have really time to read the word this week. We don't want to say we put God on the shelf. We want to say, I'm really just at a place of being still. Use whatever jargon you want to use. But if you ain't moving with God, you are sliding other ways. And parts of your life, that word, that, in, that encouraging word that came out to us today was simply this. Let God be a part of your everyday life. And the things that you can't move, he will move for you. Because you were made for more. Somebody tell somebody you were made for more. You were made for more. So let me talk about for a few moments here today. The context of your life. Number one, we look at Ephesians chapter 2. Turn there with me. I'm going to ask everyone to grab their Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, 
Ephesians. New Testament chapter 2. Okay? Chapter 2 follows, watch this, chapter 1. It's amazing. You're welcome. Last week we talked about chapter 1. and We talked about how in our lives we have to do a few things. And, and, and if you want to know what those things are, tune in to our podcast from last week. But here we move into Ephesians chapter 2, and here's what it talks about in Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Number one, we're talking about our past condition. Paul refers to our past condition. Here's what he goes on. He goes, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. What does that mean? We were jacked. God says, you're jacked, and I am the only hope you have. Right? But here's what he goes on to say. He says this. All of us also lived among them at one time. He's speaking in the past tense, right? He's speaking to believers at the church at Ephesus. He's saying, y'all all lived like this at one time. The biggest problem with Christians is when you become Christian long enough, you forget that there was once upon a time you were not saved. That there was once upon a time that you yourself had issues. And we become very, very callous to other people's struggle. And we forget that once upon a time, look at me, once upon a time, other people that are struggling with right now, that's what you struggle with. The, the catch is this, always realize that we are in constant need of a Savior. Whether you know Jesus or not, I am in constant need of a Savior. How many would agree with me right now? You're in constant need of a savior. So Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. First, he's telling them, listen, remember where you were. Remember how you were and remember what you did because you were disobedient. You were objects of wrath. What does that mean? You messed up that you were asking for it. How many ever had a child, whether you were watching them, babysitting them, or had them, where you said to them, you were asking for it? How many, honest, come on, why three parents? Come on, people. Three, some of y'all are like, I don't want to raise my hand. I'm not going to raise my hand. Just because I said it an hour and a half ago, I'm not going to raise my hand. Right? You told your kid, hopefully you didn't tell somebody else's kid, but you are getting on my last nerve. You are an object of wrath. Hopefully you didn't say that, right? Hopefully you didn't say I am biblical. I say, you are an object of wrath. Like your kid goes running from the kitchen. But you would say to them, you're asking for it. You know what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus? Once upon a time, you were asking for it. You were an object of wrath. You were in a position that had no room to make demands. No room to make demands. And let me just take a minute and unpack this because your past condition, maybe some of us following Christ, you right now, you've been following Jesus for years and you enjoy, quote, every blessing in Christ for as long as you could remember. But before you could know where you are, you have to remember where you came from. 
So in order to be made from what you have to realize, I needed this big time. So let me just remind you that when it comes down to it, there are four things that Paul says in this entire uh, passage here that I just read. He says, number one, I was dead, not sick, not handicapped, not spiritually challenged, not, you know, I made mistakes. He says, I was dead. Not I had some issues, I had a struggle, I had, no, I was dead. Period. Before Christ, I was dead. Then he says, I was disobedient. I followed the ways of this world. I was disobedient. I, was a, a, I followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Then he goes on to go a different version. He goes on to go deeper. And he goes into the word depraved. Some translations will use the word depraved. And he says this, I gratify the cravings of our sinful nature and its desires and its thoughts. You know what that means? That means I am not just doing bad. I am internally messed up. I am depraved. I have no ability to know what's right and wrong. You want to you know that my definition of depraved is the inability to distinguish between good, bad, holy, and sinful. I can't decipher. I just do what I think is right. I can't decipher between what is right and wrong. I'm depraved. I do what I want to do because it fits my agenda. That's depraved. Someone that does not consider God's word, does not consider his, his commandments, does not consider the scriptures, does not consider this to be the holy text of God. If you don't believe that this is the word of God and it can change your life, there's a part of you that's depraved. And you need a savior. You say, Pastor Tony, that's a little rough. The scripture is rough on this. Because he wants to call an ace an ace so that you can make a clear decision of who your savior is. I'm not going to pull punches. My, my desire as your pastor is to help you move from dead, disobedient, depraved. And, and let's do the fourth slide there. Not just dead, disobedient, depraved, or doomed. Because Paul goes on to say, by nature... We were all objects of wrath. What does that mean? I'm doomed. I am in trouble. So these four things, Paul says, I was this. Paul didn't say, church at Ephesus, you are this. He didn't say that. He said, I was dead. I was disobedient. I was depraved. I was doomed. Like we all were. But because we've moved out from that realm, now we could be made for more because there's hope. But if you, any one of these things, if you don't believe that the scriptures is God's holy word and you're searching, you're still in this stage where God is not Savior, God is not Lord. I encourage you to discover who Jesus is today. Discover the cause of Jesus going to the cross. He didn't go so that, you know, he could be painted on murals for the rest of all mankind. He died so that you would have life, watch this, more abundantly. Does that mean more? Does that mean you were made for more? Absolutely it does. He died so you would have life more abundantly. And that means that you were made for more. And he saw that without his death, you could not show or be made for more. We were incomplete 
Without his death, we were incomplete. Without his death, we were dead. Without his death, we were disobedient. Without his death, we were depraved and doomed, and we had no hope. Please tell me there's a positive side of this message. I declare over your life today, if you know Jesus, you're none of these things. I declare over your life today, I prophesy over your life today, that if you know Jesus Christ, you're no longer dead in your trespasses and sins. You're no longer disobedient. You're no longer depraved. You're no longer doomed. You are someone under construction that is constantly needing the opportunity to grow like a setting like this. And in a setting like this. Pastor Tony, I don't need the church. I don't need to go to church every week. One time a month is good enough. Fine. If you think eating once a week is good, if you think eating once a month is good, then by all means. But you know and I know that eventually your body will scream at you because it is starved. And some of you are in places in your life where you're asking, why is this happening to me? And that, listen, I want to be very careful how I phrase this because I'm not entering legalistic realms. I'm telling you that we starve our spirit man and then we ask, where's God? Don't do that. And don't forsake the opportunity to grow in situations like this. You were made for more and we're better together. Amen? Our nature naturally opposes God on every turn. How many realize when you get up in the morning, your flesh doesn't want what God wants? You go to lunch, your flesh doesn't want what God wants. You go, you go home after work, you go to, you know, you're getting ready for bed, your flesh doesn't want what God wants all the time. And so you have to decide what you're going to starve. If you're going to starve your spirit or you're going to starve your flesh, because one of them is going to feed. You're feeding one every moment of your day. You're feeding your flesh or you're feeding your spirit. You say, Pastor Tony, I don't know that that's true. You don't have to believe me, but I have the microphone. I'm just saying, right? Every decision you make feeds your spirit or your flesh. Well, no, there's some things that I do. I just, no, just trust me that in your life when you make decisions, I'm not saying that brushing your teeth is going to feed your spirit or flesh. That's, 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 that's stuff that we're not talking about. I'm talking about decisions that you make at work, decisions that you make at school, decisions that you make in your home, decisions that you make anywhere you make them. Those decisions are impacting your spirit, man. So that's where we are. So we realize our current condition. Let me tell you the following story, true story. I found this out. Sir Arthur Coyan Doyle. Some of you know him. Most of you probably don't. He's the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Okay? He once played a prank on some very important people. Check out what he did. He sent an anonymous telegram to eight prominent men in England. And he wrote seven words on this telegram. All is found out. Flee at once. He meant it as a joke. But in 24 hours, all eight men fled the country. All is found out. Flee at once. Can you imagine if you put that in the mailbox at a church? Like next week, half the church is going. 
What? Eight people fled the country. Why? They were living in guilt and they knew it. Can I tell you something? The world doesn't need anyone to point out their guilt. And neither will we do that here at Freedom. We will showcase the love of God, which automatically reveals the sinful nature. Right? We will talk about sin here. But we will talk about it in the context that God is still in the business of forgiving. Amen? All is found out. Flee at once. Eight men, gone. Didn't even ask questions. They just packed their stuff up and left. You know what? People already feel guilty. Can I tell you something today? Can I encourage you with something? I want you to walk out this morning understanding that you were made for more. You were made for more. You know what I, I realize as a pastor is we as Christians, and, and one of the struggles that I have is that people don't always realize as a pastor the treasure that they have in them. The, one of the biggest struggles as a pastor is when I see potential and gifting and abilities in people and they don't. To allow them to make that mistake is very difficult for me. To allow people to make mistakes even though I know that they can do better, that's very hard for me. And so we value people because we treasure their maker. I value every single person that walks in through these doors, people that I encounter. Now, some of them, how many have met somebody that you're like, it must be God to help supernaturally help you love them, right? I encounter people like that too, though, trust me. But I value people because... We as believers must treasure the maker that made them, the maker that's in them. Every one of us, whether we know Jesus or not, we're created in the image of God. Did you know that? So whether you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior or not, you have this created being nature in you. So that's what we value. We value the maker in each person. And the Christian's job is to agree with God that Jesus died for each person. That's where we come along with being made for more we value the maker in every person and we that empowers us to be a witness and love people despite of what they do or who they are right yes we love people despite of who they are we may not like them very well how many ever love somebody but you're like i love them but i can't really stand being around them very long that's okay that's okay why are you pointing at me no that's okay it's all right you know, that, you know what I'm talking about? You say, I love you, but right now I don't like you very much. So I'm going to go to the other room. Let me tell you something. We got to keep loving and loving regardless of where people are at. Number two, our present condition. He says this. Paul says, I'm about the present condition. He says this. But because of his great love for us, God. Right? So let me just say this right here. And we have the whole text there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But after telling you. That we were dead, right? Doomed, depraved, all these things. Paul then turns around and verse 4 says, but because of his great love for us. The whole thing's turned around. We're turning around this huge ship. It says we were headed this direction, but because of God's great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Friend, you read that passage right there, verses 4 through 10, and you realize that he has called us to be seated with him 
to do great things. You were made for more. I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm made for more. Some of you, you've never told yourself that. And I want you to tell yourself that today one more time. Say with me, I am made for more. Let that settle in your heart. Because Jesus had made it very clear to Paul. You were messed up. You were this, you that. And Paul says, church, I was doomed. I was this. I was that. I was dead. I was depraved. But because of God's great love for us. What does that tell us? Paul's saying, I'm made for more than that doomed. I'm made for more than that depraved. I'm made for more than that um, disobedient nature that I had. I'm not that person. Wow. That's some powerful stuff. We look at Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. Let's go to that passage for a moment. And it says, his incomparably great power for us who believe is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You know what he's saying? The power of God was shown by raising Jesus from the dead. And the same way that he raised Jesus from the dead, he wants to raise you. So he says, you were dead. But you now have a place in me because the power that raised Jesus is going to raise you. If, you're, if you feel like you're at a place where God can't raise you, I want you to know something. He can. God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. What does that mean? What does it mean to be in heavenly realms and heavenly places? This is our current position. If you are a Christ follower, it means to quote not Watchman Nee, for those of you that... Uh, may have heard of Watchman Nee. Here's what he says. Let's go to that quote here. He said this. Every new spiritual experience begins with an acceptance by faith of what God has done. I'm going to read it again. Every new spiritual experience begins with an acceptance by faith of what God has done. You know what that says? That says this. You cannot experience God without experiencing what he has done. Every experience that you come when you come to meet God begins with an acceptance. Okay, God, I accept what you've done for me. If you can accept what God has done for you, look at me, you will never experience the true nature of walking in Christ. Never. Never. You can't. If you don't accept what he did, you can never become who you're created to become. That's a hard one to preach, but I'm going to tell you it because you need to hear that. If you don't accept what, by faith, not by fact, by faith. Fa fact and logic needs everything spelled out in front of you so that you would believe. So the world says, tell me, show me so I can believe. In Christianity, it's let me believe so that I could show you. The world says, you need to show me and then I'll believe. God says, believe and I will show you. Very different. So we walk by faith, not by sight. So every spiritual experience begins with an acceptance of Jesus. So here's what I want to, de I want to declare over you today. I want you to be able to pray this sort of way. I need everyone's attention for a moment. Look at me. I want everyone's attention. Hear what I'm about to pray over you. Because this is what I want us all to pray on a daily basis this year. To some form of this. And here it is. God, I accept your word that I am seated in, in Christ and made for more. Help me to live out what you've already done in me 
by faith in Jesus Christ. That's, man, right there. If I wake up every morning and I say, God, I know I'm seated with you and I'm made for more. Help me to live that out today. That'll change how we view everything we do on that day. Amen? And the third simply is this, eternal admission. How many ever got a season pass to anywhere, like season pass to Disney World, season pass to any place like that? You ever got a season pass? We got a pool pass, you know, a couple summers, you know. And so you got these pool, you got these passes where you can go at any time you want, right? But it has a beginning and it has an end, right? You have to renew at some point, right? That's a privilege that you have for a time. You can go as many times as you want. In Christ, you have an eternal admission to come before him at any point and say, God, I am yours. You are mine. Show me what this means. Eternal admission. Not uh, just for two months, not for two years, but for eternity. You have the opportunity to come to him and say, I have access to the Father. And what is that? That is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. Look at it. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We have access to the Father. So what am I talking about to you today? As we look at this, I want to tell you, you have the privilege of eternal admission to go before his throne and follow him. Can I ask you to do something with me all across this room? Can I ask you to bow your heads for a moment? If you're listening online, bow your heads. Watching online, bow your heads with me for a moment. But just take a moment right where you're at and realize that the first thing that has to happen is I have to admit. I have to admit that I need Christ. Father, we take a moment and we admit we need a Savior. But Lord, many of us in this room have accepted you. But we haven't accepted the admission, the eternal admission that we have in you. So I pray for everyone at the sound of my voice today. If there's anyone in this room that wants to start this new year off in a way that will change their lives and change their year. God, help them to realize that they were made for more. That not just accepting you, but walking with you talking with you and following you every day matters. It matters. So today, allow your Holy Spirit to speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said,